Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 134 in Edmonton. We had Greta Bar Trivia. Greta Global Street Food, Greta Bar, Eat, Drink, and Play at uh, 127 today. The Oilers signing Philip Kemp out of Yale. Now, I said, uh, name the Oiler player. Oilers forward, small guy that came out of uh, Yale. I mentioned a bunch of uh, other NHL teams. Uh, and did we end up getting the eventual winner, Mr. Brendan Escott? We did. After about three or four people had guessed Andrew Miller, we arrived with Randy B. at our right answer of Mark wow. Arcabello. Do you know what? In fairness, I mean, I was, I don't, Andrew Miller played only 15 NHL games. Mark Arcabello played parts of three seasons with the Oilers. Technically, I guess I've made a, you know what? I mean, Andrew Miller played at Yale, too. But Arco Bello was the guy we were looking for, and I'd mentioned the the, uh, the other NHL teams playing. Hmm. File that one away, Brennan. I guess in theory we probably could have accepted the answer, Andrew Miller, because he, too, played at Yale. But life ain't fair. Mark Arcobello was the guy we were looking for. Uh, Mark, not surprisingly, was really smart, uh, overachieved uh, to, to play as much as he did in the NHL. Uh, Miller, as I mentioned, played 15 point, uh, 15 games. He had six points as an order. Actually, I think Miller got his only NHL goal was a penalty shot goal in a game in which he had four points playing on the line with Taylor Hall. Smart guy, obviously, out of Yale. Uh, Mark Arcobello, uh, is a guy that, uh, had a more extensive NHL career and was a undersized uh, right-shot centerman. I mentioned the fact that he played a total of 78 games for Edmonton over three years. He also uh, finished up at the Toronto Maple Leafs at the end of his career in 15-16. So there you have it. And one of the guys that was president of the Mark Arcobello Fan Club joins us right now on the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, or maybe not. It is John Shannon, our NHL insider. How you doing, John? Good, Bob. Hey, the one thing about Arcobello is that you, you know that he always gave you every ounce of effort. That was never a question. Yeah, that was never a question. You know what? He's the type of guy that is a better than a point per game. And this shows you the difference between the AHL and the NHL. I mean, Arcobello was a very highly productive scoring player in the American Hockey League, kind of like Anton Lander and really good yep. European players. But yep. that shows you the difference between that level and the National Hockey League, John. Well, and how many guys like that? And maybe Arcobello was – maybe – we, 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 people in the last decade coined that phrase a tweener, right? Yeah. Where, where there, where, you know, there's triple-A hockey in the American League. Then there's the NHL. Is there, is there a 4A league? Is there some, you know, is that the KHL? You know, is that is that somewhere else that is better than the American League but not as good as the NHL where a guy like that could thrive? I mean, I, I, was, I, I actually tweeted out something this morning. Uh, Nigel Dawes, you know, Nigel Dawes, who was a, a, a draft pick of the New York Rangers, came out of Winnipeg, has had a fantastic career in the NH, in the in the KHL, but it was never able to make it in the NHL. Just didn't have that last five percent 
to get to the NHL level. Well, it's funny, John. I had, uh, and I don't want to fully reveal who I was talking to on this issue, but I had an animated conversation with uh, a management type in the Oilers organization about Derek Ryan after his first year in Charlotte in the AHL. <laughs> Okay. I've no, heard no, the no, Derek Ryan. I've heard the Derek Ryan stories. Yeah, I right. know. You, you I know, know you, have... you like. I went to him and said, "I'm guaranteeing you this guy can play in the league, and he's yeah. going to play in the league for three or four years. This is not a guy that bounces around like Miller or Arcobello. This guy has a higher ceiling than that." And that individual didn't want to listen to me, and he's just. And yeah. that was his prerogative. He was on the hockey ops side. It comes with the territory. And the last two years for the Flames, Derek Ryan's been a double-digit goal scorer, and he's been plus thirty. And, you know, a year ago. Derek, Derek, the, the Derek Ryan, uh, you know, and, and, and I mean, I know that the, the man, his mentor, Bill Peters, is out of the league now, but Derek Ryan in many ways followed followed uh, sure. Bill Peters around from Spokane to uh, to Carolina and then back to Calgary. I Like, I couldn't, you know, he was the Swedish League MVP in 14-15 after yeah. he had 60 points in 55. Like, when he was at the U of A, the Oilers had him on their radar screen, but they're like, geez, I don't know if this guy will be able to contribute at the AHL level. Goes to Austria for three years, but it, what, the year he becomes the MVP of the Swedish League, well, now he's on everybody's right. radar screen, right? And you mentioned it, Bill Peters being with Carolina, that was the diff. you know, they Ron Francis and Bill Peters called Derek up and say, we want you to come to the team. You're taking that call if you're the player in that situation I, I, I look at, i look at arco bello and i look at uh, uh andrew miller and there were some people in the orders organization at that time for those type of ncw and, and in fairness both guys made it to the nhl both guys got games in, and it just shows you sort of uh how unique uh, and, and we're talking hockey john we're talking hockey on a day that there's been some hey provincial we had a, what were you gonna say oh wait no, I mean the amount of hockey news that uh, just keeps bubbling up. Uh, I, I yeah. think that's. I think that's a. In, in many ways, I know that uh, you know the, the the league and the players' association haven't talked for four or five days, but I think this is a positive. I think people are getting their all their ducks in a row for uh, for the impending news that uh, we will soon uh, have an announcement that hockey's coming back. John, is there any concern over Trudeau's announcement yesterday? that Canada is behind the queue on vaccination, that the, the countries that are producing it, the United States, Britain, Germany, they're going to get it first. Canada's, I mean, they're now, and again, what happens here is, oh, I don't want to hear about this. This is a pretty big story. On the, I mean, we're dealing with a worldwide pandemic. The fact of the matter is the vaccination is a big deal. Uh, and and could it could it mean that American organizations could be better poised to have fans back faster than Canadian organizations, or do you think we're we're too far ahead of ourselves at that stage? Well, I, I think you're too far ahead of yourself on that one, simply because um, the vaccination uh, will not be distributed even in the United States based on right. needs of sports teams. Uh, I, you know, we're we're talking about uh, having a, a a public vaccine free to everyone in both countries, uh, and uh, to those people who need it first, whether it's uh, uh, the nurses and doctors, whether it's senior well, citizens. That's a given. That's a given. But but and by the and by and by that time, Bob, and I'm not a vaccine expert, 
Right. Um, but and by by that time, by the you know by the end of end of February and March, that's when we're talking about it being available in Canada, which will, which will be at the same time that it's available for most of the public in the United States. I, I'm not as concerned about this one as uh, as most people. I did talk to someone yesterday about it and asked them that question. And, and when we talk about not being first in line, when you think now and consider now, that there are at least three successful vaccines, one that has already produced 40 million uh, uh, vials, another one's in the same amount, and then the third one's going to produce 3 billion, uh, I think we're going to be okay. All right. Well, I, I hope you're right. So let's get to it. You seem somewhat optimistic today because I know, like Pierre Lebrun tweeted out this morning, no conversations uh, over the course of the last four or five days. So what do you what do you mean by they're getting their ducks in a row? What does that mean? Well, I think the team, I mean, there's constant communication between the league office and all the teams. And whether that's business information or whether that's the flow back and forth saying, hey, listen, here's where we are. Uh, I think that that has continued between the league office and all 31 teams. Uh, I, I also, I mean, maybe I'm just old, but I've been through this too many times. I've been through this, I was through this in 92. I was through it in 94. We were through it in 2004. We were through it in 2012. Um, negotiations are negotiations. And, and, and both Mr. Bettman and Mr. Fear are excellent at playing chicken. Uh, and uh, albeit tomorrow is a turkey day, that's what they're doing. They're playing chicken. Uh, and th- there will be discussions. There will be compromise. And it's in the best interest of both sides to play. It's in the best interest of the business of being a player to play. It's in the best interest of the teams to play. Uh, The terms of engagement, that's what we're talking about. And that will get resolved. Will it get resolved tomorrow? No. Uh, But it will get resolved. It will get resolved in a timely fashion that we can still say that we're going to have at least 48 games in a regular season. We're going to have the regular playoffs, as we always have had, when we've even had 48-game seasons. And by July 15th, we will give the Stanley Cup out to the championship team. Uh, I am not as concerned and not as worried as most other people. All right. So, uh, And I did mention yesterday that I'm in the 48-game uh, school as well. Potential you know, February 1st start date at the latest. Here's where I want to go with this. You mentioned those other years. We had Brian Lawton on the show, as you know, in the first hour. So in 92, that was a player strike. And right towards the end of the season, so the the owners had to do something because they had to make their money back come playoff time. 94-95, we got a 48-game schedule. You mentioned 04, we lost a year in 04. We didn't mm-hmm. get a resolution. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess no. you could say we didn't get a resolution because Bob Goodnow basically got stripped of his authority. He lost that one. Uh, well, no, but what we, but we did was we got a restructuring of the business. Right, and, and so we got restructured, and 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 in the in the year, and I can tell you this because I was involved in it. We also got an opportunity to to reinvent the game, to to open it up, and to make it uh, a, what I would view as a more entertaining style of hockey. If only they would have kept calling the penalties beyond the 05 06 yeah. season. Remember how many, remember how many five yeah. on three goals were scored the first uh, 50 games last year? Yeah, well. that's that's one by the way for the record because i put this tweet out so long ago okay it was in april but that's why connor mcdavid 
the amount of power play, like Sidney Crosby is a wonderful player, but the amount of power play points, guys, people forget the 05-06 year. You'll, you'd remember this, John. Alex Hemsky had 77 points. Horkoff had 73. Stoll had 68. All career highs for the Oilers that year. Take a look at the yeah. power play points that Sidney Crosby had his first two years in the NHL and compare that to Connor McDavid's first two years. Tells you a lot about how, even even there, because you weren't getting the five-on-three goals, they moved away from all those. So they opened up the game, John, for a year, and then they stopped opening it up. You know, what if memory serves me, Sidney's rookie year, he had 103 points. 103 points at a rookie year. When was the last time? I mean, I mean, we've had we've had Art Ross winners in the last five years. Not necessarily rookies, but Art Ross winners that didn't get 100 points. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. There we go. John Shannon joining us right now. So you are fairly. Um, uh, positive about yeah I am I am I am and, and the people and the people I talk to are positive Bob um, the people I have talked to have been around the game long enough to know this dance because uh, it's a dance um, you know it's it's not the tangle but it's a dance and and it's it's be, it's between what the league thinks it needs and what the players think they have. Um, and you know, and, the, and there are there are interpretations within the MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding that was signed this summer, that gives the league the opportunity to do exactly what it's doing. So, so it's it's not a case of of Gary blindsiding the players' association. This, I I truly believe, this discussion had been contemplated for a long time, and if the business did not allow for fans to show up earlier than they're going to be this was the option the league was going to have to do john i'm going to get you to resource uh those years of experience and i i'm not trying to belittle you or have any fun because you could hammer me back kind of the way uh do you remember uh, reagan in the 84 election with mondale and uh the first no, uh, i will not i will not let, let age be <laughs> be a topic of this uh of this yes. campaign, my 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 uh, can't my opposition's inexperience will should never be an issue. Is that basically what you're talking about? What of the greatest, that effect? One of the greatest lines of all time. And then yeah. uh, in '88, oh, who is the? Uh, oh, what was Lloyd Benson? Lloyd Benson. Lloyd, and and he, he who is the Dem- uh, who is the vice president for uh, Dan Dan Quayle? Dan Quayle and Quayle compared himself to Kennedy. And what did uh, Lloyd Benson say? You are no Jack Kennedy. And then I knew I, Jack Kennedy, and you are no Jack Kennedy. And then Reagan in '92, if you recall, <laughs> the great line because uh, Clinton compared himself to Thomas Jefferson, and and what did Reagan say? I knew Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> that's the guy. That's that's when you know what? That's when politicians had some class. You know? Although I tell you what, I've, I've just been I mean, not, not to change the topic completely, but. I have been doing some studying and watching and reading in the last four weeks. People were vicious in 1980. People were vicious in 1984. People were vicious in 1976. We should not sit here and think 2016 and 2020 that this is worse than ever before. This this has gone on constantly in the United States. So. We just well, Reagan, take it for Reagan, what it is. Reagan had a, oh. a he had a whole series of Russian jokes, right? Like, what was his in, in, in Russia? Unless you're a bureaucrat, you had to wait for you had to pay up front for a car and, and wait ten years. 
There's a lot. There's a lot more accusations about Mr. Reagan. I am well aware. All you need to look is uh, take a look at what the CIA did in Central America during that time. And anybody that's watched any of the Narcos or anything like that has complete, total, fundamental understanding of that. All right. uh, One day I'll tell that Reagan joke because it's funny. So here's 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 where we're gonna go. I'm gonna use your depth and resource and the fact that you got a couple years on me. I talked about uh, for Oilers fans a rival they respected. And I brought up for me Jerome Ginla. I love Jerome Ginla. I loved how he played. I respected him. He was a terrific guy off the ice as well. From Edmonton, Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there's there's guy. I know the other players have talked about the competitiveness of Flurry in the past. We had a lot of people today mention Dale. Uh, Dale Howardchuk uh, from the Winnipeg Jets. He was a first-class guy. So help us out here. Give me a, a little bit of an Oilers-centric question, but uh, you know, a player on an opposition team that you could really respect was a, a terrific player that the Oilers opposed. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go back a little farther just because the guys that were mentioned were probably at near the top of my list. But I still remember early on when the Oilers joined the NHL uh, and how important it was when the Montreal Canadiens showed up and the reverence, the absolute reverence of Guy Lafleur. Uh, and, and Flower's career was, was grinding slowly to a halt in Montreal. He wouldn't last long, but when he came to Alberta, the amount of people, the amount of people that used to, and it wasn't just the players, it was the community. Uh, the amount of pl- people that flocked into the hotel to try to get a view of Lafleur, um, in both Calgary and Edmonton, uh, the amount of people that would come to the rink to try to watch practice, and when the Canadians team bus was outside of Northlands Coliseum, I would tell you there was 1,500 people just watching, waiting, and watching to see the team get off the bus. And when and when Lafleur got off the bus, it erupted. And the cheering in Edmonton for Lafleur. Same thing in Calgary. That that Montreal organization that was coming off of those four consecutive Stanley Cups with Scotty behind the bench. That to me was that first level of, um, hey, we've made it. We're playing the Montreal Canadiens. Guy Lafleur is coming to town. That that was that had left an indelible mark on me. And the other great thing about it, Bob, was when the Oilers went to Montreal, the reverence the other way, the yes. amount of um, respect uh, and pure, unadulterated fandom of being able to go watch the Oilers practice, and uh, not necessarily at the Forum. But uh, but out in, Ver- in, in in other parts, whether it was in Laval or, or other parts of the city, um, I mean, a thousand people knocked down a door at a practice facility just to watch Wayne practice. Uh, and there was there really was early on, uh, and it, it, it didn't hurt that they played in the second round, uh, the second year of the playoffs. There was a real reverence between the Montreal Canadiens and the Edmonton Oilers. John, do you have a copy? of game one of the 81 playoff series it is not on youtube uh no i don't i i have seen highlights uh but i do not have i do not have that 
because Gretzky obviously had five points in that game. And as that game wore on, every time he had the – and that's – you know, when we go there now, that's what it's like when Connor's got the puck, right? Is yeah. the same – like, because they know hockey. Like, as much as I don't love Quebec politics, I understand Quebec politics. I understand why they, why they see things the way they do. But I love their fans. Their fans and that building experience is off the charts. I can't wait to when we yeah. get back there. But no, I no, it's, it, it's my favorite place. I, I love going to Edmonton. I love going to Madison Square Garden in New York. But going to Montreal is special. Going yeah. to Montreal is, I, I do believe, and this, I'm not knocking anybody anywhere else, I think they're the most intelligent hockey fans in the world. They, I really do. It is special. The, even when, you know what, even before McDavid got here, Dreisaitl took off when Nugent Hopkins, because Nugent Hopkins played great Montreal. His brother was going to school at Concordia there for a while. He had some of his yeah. best games. Like, they knew it. Uh, I even circled, like, Lafleur as a winger. You know how he used to circle up at the blue line in his own D zone? I yeah. I tried to, I wore number 10. I tried to copy his game. Uh, unfortunately, that's about all. Well, yeah, you, you have more hair. Yeah, and I don't smoke. That was it. That was and it. He, and that he was, was about 800,000 times better of a player. John, <laughs> awesome stuff today. Thanks for your time. All right, Bob. Enjoy Turkey Day tomorrow. Hey, Thomas Jefferson says hi. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I knew Thomas Jefferson, but I was an Andrew Jackson guy, so never mind. <laughs> All right, awesome. That is John Shannon, our NHL insider, joining us on Oilers Now. Well, we've had a very wide-ranging show today. Of that, there is no debate. By the way, uh, did we name the actual winner? Brendan, did I cut you off in terms of uh, who won uh, Greta Global Street Foods trivia today? No, I think I snuck it in there. Congratulations okay. again to Randy B. Way to go, Randy B. Here we go. To this day in Oilers history, it was memorable. And uh, a little bit of a tough one for me because I, I, I knew uh, his son, but uh, let her rip. On uh, this day in 1993, Edmonton coach Ted Green was fired after coaching the Oilers to a 3-18-3 record. That was the worst start in team history. Glenn Sather, the president and GM of the Oilers, replaced Green as coach. The team went 22, 27, and 11 for the rest of the season. 92-93, those were tough years uh, for the Oilers. Real challenge times, to say the least. The Great Hall of Famers had all been kind of moved out of here. Uh, by 95, 96, you could see that the emergence of guys like Doug Waite, Jason Arnett, you could see the direction that the organization was going to go. So there you have it. Full show for you tomorrow. Uh, Henderson Silver Knights, assistant coach, longtime NHLer, Joel Ward will join us on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now. George LaRock, Edmonton sporting icon. And for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar, Brian Burke will be on the show tomorrow. Reed Wilkins says, Inside Sports, what's he got shaking? Uh, let me get to this text message. No, he's got an NHL on uh, Sportsnet host Jeff Merrick, general manager of Hockey Edmonton Steve Hogel, and 11-year CFL offensive lineman Peter Diakowski. All right, again, we'll be back at it tomorrow noon to 2. Do want to tell you coming up on 6.32 Afternoons with Jaylen and I, the Alberta government announcing new health measures yesterday. An Edmonton ER doctor says that aside from some meaningless closures, the measures are really just more of the same. Dr. Shazma 
Matini will join Jalen coming up at 2 o'clock after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. So long from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.